This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome to Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. My name is Rich Bradbury, and as usual, I'm joined by a couple of friends in the studio over there at BFM. It's Ali Johan. Say hello, Ali. Hey, good evening, Rich. Good evening. Good evening, everyone. And... uh, Coming to us from the ether somewhere else, it's uh, Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my. Hello, Daniel. Hello and good evening, everybody. It's a wonderful Wednesday evening. I hope that the weather holds and we can enjoy the rest of the evening. Uh, a show in three parts, as per usual. We've got some news and car launches up in the uh, top of the show. Coming in the middle, a bit of a discussion about uh, something happening up there in Langkawi. Um, you may have seen bits and pieces, but we'll get to the meat and potatoes a little bit later on. And then a review at the end of the show. It's the Range Rover. Blah. Ah, yeah, just like that. Blah. Ali. Right, guys, the Honda CRV, they launched new Honda CRV last month. But at that time, they revealed the prices for only three of their petrol variants, even though they have a top of the range EHEV hybrid model. So people were going around speculating how much this hybrid model will be priced at, and many were uh, fearful that it would go beyond the 200,000 ringgit mark, Daniel. But Correct. It's, not, Correct. it's not the case here, right? Well, you know. Um I'm famous for guesstimating the prices very correctly and sometimes incorrectly. <laughs> so when this was uh, launched and then they said, oh, you know, it's going to be a little bit more expensive. It's the RS version. And it's happened all the time. Uh, not all the time. It's happened in the last few years with all Honda models that came with an RS version. They will launch the vehicle and then they'll say the RS model, wait until further notice. Mm. They'll show the car, but they'll say wait until further notice because they need to fine-tune to get the price just right. So it happened with the Civic. It happened with, of course, it happened with the City first. Then it happened with the Civic. Then recently it happened with the WRV. And now it's happened with the CRV. But, you know, I'm not trying to say I know it all, but, you know, I've managed to guesstimate the prices very close in all the previous models. Okay, so this like, time, not bad, like, not bad, not bad, not, not bad. bad. So this time, I actually did an article on December 30th last year and I guesstimated the price to be 198800 Uh-huh. Okay. And now, the price is 195000 ringgit. Hey, not bad, not bad. Hmm. Not bad, not bad, not bad. So, Honda Malaysia has brought the price, price very close and uh, I think it's it's a great price. And of course, magically, for the average Malaysian who's buying a vehicle like this, when they see something below 200,000, they tend to say, okay, I can afford it. Yeah. Anything between 150 to 198, 800 is acceptable. Even though the monthly difference is a lot, mm. but they seem to think, okay, it's acceptable and they're willing to spend on it. So I think the, the CRV will do very well. The new look, the new features completely new from ground up. So I think it's going to sell well despite the hard push from new Chinese manufacturers like Jayco who are coming in in a very close price range. When you go beyond the 200 ringgit mark, what other SUVs in this size can you consider? Okay, you got the Kia Sorento. That is a really good looking car, seven-seater and five-seater, but not selling well. You, do, you hardly see them on the road because it's above 200,000. And you know, somehow or other people think keep thinking, you know, at 200,000 plus Korean car, you know, mm. and then there's the Hyundai Santa Fe, also another very good looking car, great features, few variants, and again, you don't see many on the road. 
So I think the problem now is the Koreans can't do much because they can't do CKD in large volumes. The, the Japanese have the factories here, so they can do CKD. But with Chinese manufacturers coming in with factories and with attractive price points, it's going to be an interesting next couple of years. Yeah, so that's the Honda CRV. EHEV RS hybrid model prices are out and it is below 200,000 ringgit, boasting an impressive 335 newton meters of torque with 184 PS. Now, next on the list, we learned that Great Wall Motors are offering a 20,000 ringgit rebate for any purchase of the Aura Good Cat. This is for the CNY promotion, Rich. I saw a little bit of this. Uh, they're also offering the complimentary wall charger, I believe, as well. The uh, That's about... Uh, I think that's worth five and a half thousand ringgit or something along those lines, right? Yes. So now if you think about it, just last week when you were not around, Richard, me and Ali were speaking about the EV price war starting. Yeah. So whether it's Chinese new or not, but a 20,000 discount on an electric car, that's just the tip of the iceberg, let me tell you. Mm-hmm. It's going to get more interesting. And I just heard that another... Just just earlier today, another electric car brand is going to be offering slightly more than 20,000 discount to tackle this competition right now. That takes the price to how much, Daniel, then? Yeah, it's just below 120,000 because they've got two variants. So, you know, at below 120,000, you're suddenly now hitting at the BYD Dolphin, which is a very popular model. And you're also hitting very close to the Neta V, which is 99,000. Mm. This is... Bigger than the Neta V, better driving range, better build, better all-round performance. And you know, $20,000 is not a big difference when you take a seven-year loan. Another Chinese company, Sherry, also revealed another SUV model for the Malaysian market. This is after launching two SUVs already, a five-seater and eight-seater. So in a couple of months, we'll see the Tigo 7 Pro, Daniel. Yes. So Sherry gave us a little bit of a teaser last week, they just invited us to say, okay, this is what happened over the last uh, 12 months. How impressive their sales were, their production, their bookings, how they've tackled all the little after-sales issues. You know, when you start production of a new car, there's always a little bit of after-sales issues. They got mm. all that put aside. They worked very hard with their dealers to make sure the customers were happy. Well done. I always say, a company that looks after its customers in after-sales, they deserve a big thumbs up from us. And now, they've teased us that two vehicles are coming this year, both petrol-driven vehicles. Of course, the electric car range will come under a different brand name because they've got an electric car brand. But this will be the 7 Pro and also a smaller vehicle called the 4 Pro. Now, the 4 Pro, they didn't give us any details. They wanted to keep it hush-hush. But this Pro 7, if you ask me, I think is going to take away a lot of sales from the Proton X70. Same ah. size, Very close in terms of features. Now, the the, the, the X70 is 1.5. This is 1.6. Turbocharged engine, 197 horses, which is slightly more than the X70. 290 newton meters. Um, Seven-speed gearbox, DCT. Uh, does 8.3 seconds. Has nice 18-inch wheels. Now, if you look at the vehicle, uh, the picture we shared, it's an attractive vehicle. If you take away the badge, you will not know whether it's European, Korean, yeah. Chinese, or Japanese. You know, yeah. It's got yeah. that evergreen kind of look. Um, you know, it could it could even be a proton. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's how evergreen it is. And if you look at the inside, it's got all the necessary, you know, big screen, touch screen, um, in, infotainment system. You know, your your connectivity is complete. Uh, too many things to mention in terms of safety features. But most important thing in this segment is how much. Now we know that the Omoda 5, which is selling like hotcakes, is just below one hundred twenty thousand. 
Okay. So I reckon this. My guesstimate. My guesstimate. Huh? One two eight eight hundred. Ooh. What is it with the 800? You're just putting on the 800 because it's Chinese New Year coming up, is it? <laughs> well, it's up to you to decide why I'm putting the 800. But you see, I'm not putting 128888, okay? Ah, right, okay, okay. 128800, okay? Yeah. I think that's that's a magical price. Now, it's very close to what Proton is selling. And, um, you know, this is how they also priced it when they did their Tigo 8, right? Mm. When they did the Tigo 8, it was just a couple of thousand more than the X90, which is from Proton. So okay. this is how we are doing our guesstimate. This is how we're looking at, you know, their comparative nature. And also, they want to compete in this segment. This is the most, uh, you know, uh, booming, the biggest boom in terms mm. of sales, you know. Mm. So why not go and play directly with this segment? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Sherry also gives a seven-year warranty, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes, they do give a seven-year warranty. And that's, you know, a big plus point when it comes to a new brand, you know, coming to Malaysia. Because, yes, now people have heard the Cherry name, but there's still a lot of people out there are still a little bit, you know, anxious, you know, when they say Cherry, mm, after sales. Mm. But when you give a seven-year warranty coming from the factory, easy peasy. Mm. Yep, yep. Headlines from the global market, as you mentioned earlier, Rich, Tesla uh, has slashed yeah. prices for Model 3 and Model Y in China yet again. What's happening here, Daniel? Well, one thing is price war, but you know, the moment you hear BYD overtaking you, I mean, you've been in the electric car game for so long. Tesla has been a dominant force with electric cars. And suddenly you see this Chinese manufacturer coming in, you know, not slowly creeping up to you, but you know, wham, you know, it was a quick rise. Because until a few years ago, BYD was just, eh, you know, you hear about it, they are selling, but they're not taking on a huge role in terms of market share. Yeah. And then when the Auto 3 came out, which is, you know, like a crossover SUV, compact SUV, boom, everybody loved it. Every market it went to, Australia, Singapore, Malaysia, um, uh, Europe, started selling really well. And then came the Dolphin. Not that much smaller than the Auto 3, yet bigger than some of the other cars in its segment. Good driving range, good features. And then, you know, BYD's battery technology is classic. Because why? They are a battery manufacturer. Yeah. So if you if you have the engine of the car as your as your core competence, uh, immediately that car becomes more popular because people mm. say, "Hey, these guys are manufacturing the battery that goes into this car. I can I can trust the fact that they've got the technology sorted out." Yeah. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. So this is why BYD is doing so well, and Tesla can't just sit back and say, "Hey, you know, carry on." No, I want to remain number one. How do you do that? You cut prices. And when you cut prices, BYD can also say, hmm, you want to play, eh? Come, 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 come. I manufactured yeah. a battery. I took and play. Of course. So it's great news for consumers. The only thing is, what happens to the first batch of people who bought these cars? Well, at, at this point, nothing happens to them. They, they can't do anything. They can't really complain about things. They can't yes. do anything. You, you're just in that boat, you know? Yes. You, you want it to be first. This is the price you pay. Yeah, in years to come, you know, it's, it's just like I remember, uh, I, I mean, maybe you say I'm silly to compare this, but, you know, I had the old Nokia Mobira big, you know, mobile phone, which I paid almost 10,000 ringgit. Today, something like that costs yeah. 500 ringgit. Yeah, yeah. You, you'll, find in, you'll find it in like an, an auction shop somewhere, yeah. you know. Yes. Yeah. You know, so, exactly. you know, those, those technologies just keep getting better, 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 and things getting cheaper, cheaper, cheaper. So, you know, that's the price you have to pay. 
Uh, I don't know if you remember, uh, saw this, but I, I posted a little bit of news in the group as well today yes. about a, a, a battery technology company in China Correct. who now said that they have developed nuclear batteries mm -hmm. uh, so far only big enough to be used in a phone, but right. they can be, you don't need to charge them obviously, and they run for 50 years um, without them losing any power. Right. It's only a matter of time, fellas, before we start seeing these in cars, isn't it? In cars, in homes. I mean, I'll buy it from my home and then I'll... I'll exactly. Go. Cars, homes, drones, you name it. And on that note, as forever, we should probably take a short break. Of course, this is Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. And welcome back to Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. I'm Rich Bradbury, joined as usual by Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my and uh, Ali Johan from BFM. A bit of news uh, flying around about what's happening up in Langkawi with uh, the MACC, um, some cars, some warehouses, some tax stuff. Uh, Daniel, I mean, you seem to know uh, quite a bit about this. Well, How's your you friends know, doing up in Langkawi? We saw it on another portal, another news portal. So MACC nabbed some people in Langkawi uh, for tax evasion on some luxury cars. And you know, it's it's something that costs 33 million. Now, 33 million is just a drop in the ocean. And I and I do mean a drop in the ocean of the amount of luxury cars sitting in Langkawi. Yeah. Okay. Over the years, I've traveled to Langkawi on holiday. And you know, whenever I go, I go to this, this little warehouses. Uh, owned by luxury car brands, and you just see them wall-to-wall -wall luxury cars. Uh, some are private, some are owned by the companies themselves, some are air-conditioned and, and well-maintained, some are, you know, just sealed warehouses, you know, so there's some rodents in there. Um, the cars are kept, the cars are brought back to, to, to mainland for 30 days in a year for the owners to use them, and then after three, four years, maybe sometimes two years, they get reduced tax, and then they, they use it. Uh, for the very rich, for the very rich, what they do is they buy 12 luxury cars. So every month they can rotate one luxury car tax-free. Just have to pay for the transportation, which is not that much. India, what India a money life. Is not much. Yeah, what exactly. A what a life. So, you know, I, I think about it. If I was really rich, I mean, if I had like Richard Bradbury money, you know, I would buy 12 luxury cars, park it in Langkawi every month, you know, just cruise on to Langkawi, bring back a car, cruise back, take another car, cruise back. I'm just rotating cars, right? Just for clarification's sake, and for any tax purposes, and for people who are listening to this show, the only luxury cars I can afford are Matchbox ones. Oh, so they're parked in Langkawi? <laughs> they, they, they're parked in my drawer over here. <laughs> but you see, I don't blame these people for doing it because it's a nice loophole that has worked yeah. so well. Now, many years ago, it was three months in a year. You can bring a luxury car back for three months in a year. And so people were even enjoying it because why? I just need to buy four luxury cars. Mm. Now I need to buy 12. I mean, I'm saying if they are very rich. But the, this whole idea of this tax-free haven, I have not been very happy about it because why? It doesn't help in the government's favor in terms of luxury car tax. Okay? Mm. Mm. Number two, the people who are buying this, they can afford the cars with, with tax, you know? If you can already afford a car costing 1.2 million before tax, you can afford it for 3 million. You know, parking these cars in Langkawi and doing this, uh, yes, there's a, there's a whole business venture that benefits there. But it doesn't benefit people like you and me, Richard. You know, mm -hmm. uh, like, like Ali wants to buy now a Mazda. You want to buy a, a Toyota. I want to buy a Nissan. Now, 
we go into the showroom, we pay full tax for our cars. Yeah. Now, I would like to buy a tax-free Nissan. You would like to buy a tax-free Mazda. Ali would like to buy a tax-free uh, Toyota. But can you do it? You can't because the cars are all not luxury cars. Mm, mm. So you have to pay full tax, you know, take a seven-year loan or nine-year loan and, and pay monthly. Whereas mm. these people, this select few are able, you know, not actually few because there's a few hundred of them, maybe a thousand of them, who are able to park their cars in Langkawi and enjoy this tax-free status. Mm. Now, it doesn't benefit the government it benefits, okay, the car companies, of course, because they get to push out a few more cars. But in, in reality, it doesn't benefit the tax system. Mm. So if you're going to do this, then you should do it for all cars. You should do it for all motorcycles. How long has this been around for then, Daniel? This, for this... as long as I've been a motoring journalist and more. Right. And what was the... In... I'm going to get you to speculate, if we can. What was the initial idea of, of creating this? I mean, there must have been good intentions at the beginning. Sure. Okay, the good intention was Labuan and Langkawi became tax-free islands. Yeah. Now, tax-free means, you know, your alcohol is tax-free, your, yeah. your chocolates, your little things and all that. So, cars also became tax-free. Now, at that time, if you have a tax-free status island, you encourage a lot of tourism and everything mm. else. Mm. Now, Labuan had its different set of uh, benefits. But you do have a lot of tax-free cars in Labuan. But they are only for those living in Sabah and Sarawak. Lah, you know, okay. generally yeah. lah. So you don't have. I, I remember going to Labuan about thirty years ago, and a whole bunch of JDM Japanese cars driving around, all tax-free. And who were driving them? Naval officers. Ah, because there's a huge naval base there. Yeah, yeah. And you know, all of them were buying these JDM. I mean, at that time they were JDM cars because you can directly import them without any tax. Mm -hmm. Then Langkawi became a tax-free haven, but nobody was in, importing in JDM cars. They were importing in luxury supercars. Right. Right. And even when the hotels opened up, uh, some of the five-star hotels as they were opening up, their uh, luxury uh, mobility vehicles, you know, like cars that pick you up from the airport and all that, were all super luxury sedans and SUVs. Mm. Then, of course, people started, you know, buying cars there and storing them. Then the whole idea came, hey, we can use this. It's a nice little loophole. Uh, there's a ferry service to bring the cars up and down. There are car carriers from Kuala Police and Kuala Kada to ship the cars back to KL or Johor or wherever the owners live. But even better, now with a lot of five-star accommodation there, the owners can actually fly in, enjoy their cars, drive it back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then drive it back to Langkawi after 30 days or after 29 days and then swap it for another car. Right. If you have another car, you know. So yeah. this, this game has been going on, I think, for way too long. And a lot of people have used this as a loophole to hide some, some taxes, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, so they aged the cars. They say the cars have been aged one year, but it's actually been aged two years, three years. You know, sorry, they say the car has been aged for two, three years, but it's actually been aged for just a year. So the longer the car ages, the less tax you pay. Right. Okay. Right then. Um, should we take a break? I think so. Okay, let's do that. Folks, that was the uh, little piece of news that we've got for you there, of course. And then coming up just after the break, uh, we've got a car review. Well, kind of. It's the Range Rover. Voila. I, I do like saying that. We'll be right back after these messages here on BFM 89.9. FM 
the business station. This is Rich Bradbury, of course, on Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. And as usual, I'm joined by my two friends and colleagues, Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my and Ali Johan from BFM. Car review time. The Range Rover Velar has been updated. Daniel managed to test drive it. Daniel, what was it like? Vela nice. Uh, oh, very good. It, it was ah. Vela luxurious. Of course, we invited this, didn't we? Of course, it was going to happen. Okay, so you know what the Range Rover Vela looks like. It's it's actually a seven-year-old design, you know? Mm. And it still looks fresh on the road, you know? Yeah. Somehow or other, Range Rovers have managed to test time, if you ask me. Agreed, yes. You know, even the older ones. Even yeah. even even when it was British owned. Yeah, yeah, here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's still made in, in it's still made in England. It's still designed by 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 English English people, you know. But it's owned by Tata in India, you know. So anyway, so I love the way that you went into it's owned by Tata in India. You know, you went from being Indian to British to being Indian. I have no idea where you are anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm just all over the place. Anyway, so the Vela is a seven-year-old product. When it first came out, it was the first product with the Vela name, of course, seven years ago. So everyone was taken by a little bit surprised because just a few years earlier, they had the Evoque. And the Evoque was a compact crossover slash off-roader uh, it was like a Range Rover that has been miniaturized, you know, and it sold in Malaysia. It sold like crazy. It was the fastest, hottest selling Range Rover at that time. And it brought great fortune to Sime Darby because Sime Darby was uh, running Jaguar Land Rover at that time. And, you know, it was just boom, boom, boom. You know, the sales were just booming. Um, of course, the price was also very attractive. It was just below 400000 It was something, that, you know, it's like an entry level Range Rover. Mm. At that time, the big boy Range Rover was almost a million dollars. Um, these are all new car prices, eh? Okay. Yeah. Not Langkawi prices. <laughs> so, as the years progress, they said, let's come up with something in between. So, of course, you know, now that new investment has come in from Tata, the Land Rover company needed to expand their, their product portfolio to also enter into other markets that were they were not doing so well. So, they looked at how Porsche had done so well with the Macan. BMW is doing very well with the X3, X5. Mercedes was coming in with so many SUVs, the GLE, the GLA, the GLM. And they said, you know, even Audi, you know, the Q5, Q7, Q8. They said, you know, we got to do something to challenge all these competitors and still keep our whole, you know, you know, range roverness, you know. Yeah. So they came out with the Vela. And if you look at it, it's basically a, a Range Rover that has been compromised between an Evoque and a big boy Range Rover. Yep. Yep. But it looks much more sporty. It is a little bit sporty. Yeah, it is. And at that time, they had a few variants when they first came out. Now, as the years have progressed, they have updated this vehicle. Now, one one quick look, you'll say, hey, same car. Well, it is. It is actually the same car. Uh, they didn't do much to the exterior. They didn't do anything to the silhouette. What they did was they did some changes to the radiator grille. They did some changes to the LED headlights. Uh, the signature daytime lights are changed a little bit. They upgraded the interior with the PV Pro infotainment system, which is now available in all Land Rovers and Range Rovers, including the Defender. They came out with some new wheel designs, 22-inch and 20-inch. And the one thing that really impressed me, which was the active noise cancellation system, which works predominantly better for eliminating tire noise. Huh. Now, you've got these big fat wheels with thick thread, right? 
you take a drive in this vehicle and you think to yourself, you know, noise cancelling, uh, yeah, you know, it's all a sales pitch, lah, you know. Then you drive and you start thinking, where's the road noise? Huh? Then you drive a bit more, where, where's the road noise? Then you say, okay, let me find a deserted road. So I actually went out late at night and I brought my son with me because, you know, his hearing is better than mine. I'm old already. And I said, I want you to listen out for road noise. And after a while, there's no road noise. He said, there's no road noise. I said, yes. And we went faster, there's still no road noise. When you go really fast, breaking the speed limit, which we did on a deserted road without any police watching us, we can hear a little bit of the wind noise, but no road tire noise. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. So the Meridian sound system that comes with the vehicle, the quality of the audio system gets elevated without the tire road noise. Huh. Huh. So this is a big improvement on the current Vela. Now, so, hang on, just one, one quick question. This active road noise cancellation, is this something that Range Rover themselves have developed or is it a, a, a kind of third party who's helped them? Do you know? Well, I need to check on this. Good question. Um, maybe it's something done with Meridian because Meridian is the, the official audio system provider for, for the right. company. So I think maybe they work together or maybe Meridian is mm. providing it mm. um, because it all works with the speakers anyway, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think it's something they've worked with Meridian on it. But end of the day, it's it's... I think it's a very impressive system and I would like to see it in a lot of electric cars right now. And I'll say why. Because electric cars claim to be silent, quiet and everything else. But you hear tire noise and you also hear a little bit of the motor noise when you accelerate. Yeah. Now, yeah. it's good to have noise on the outside so that people hear you coming. Yeah. That's a problem now with a lot of electric cars. People don't hear you coming. But when you're in the cabin and all these cars come with really good digital sound system. Okay, why don't they get something like this done? So I think Range Rover has done a benchmark to say, we can do this. When are you going to do it? And it's bound to happen. It's bound to yeah. come sooner or later. So the Vela still uses a two-liter engine. This is the Ingenium engine which they've been using across the range with a lot of success. Even the Defender uses it. Um, it's a very powerful engine. It's a 1997cc engine, 250 horsepower, 365 newton meters of torque now because this car is mostly aluminium it's not a heavy car mm. so the top speed is 217 kilometers an hour the zero to 100 acceleration time is in 7.1 seconds which is pretty decent but again a lot of people will turn around and say like every time when we when we when we test drive a, a non-electric car is oh my electric car does four seconds my electric car does 3.8 seconds my electric car does five seconds yes electric cars have instant torque they have very good power. But 7.1 seconds in a big Range Rover Vela, I think is good enough for city driving. Uh, 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 it's a heavy thing. Yes. And uh, the fact that it cost 628,000 ringgit with full taxes paid will also have a number of people saying, oh, I can buy an electric car for this, electric car for that, electric car for that. Yes, electric cars are cheaper because they don't have any import duty right now. Yeah. We don't know how long that is going to last. Yeah. And... There is still a lot of people out there who want a petrol-driven car. Mm. There's still a lot of people out there who want a luxury petrol-driven car. And why not? That's their choice. Mm. So, for 628000 what are the immediate competitors? You still have the Porsche Macan, but the Porsche Macan brand new version is coming out very soon. You have the Porsche Cayenne, the local assembled one, which just came out, which is very close in terms of price point. You have the BMW X5. You have the Mercedes GL. You have the Audi uh, Q5. Of course, from Lexus, the RX, the big RX. Uh, all very close in terms of price. All paying full tax. 
So these are the cars that you can, you know, look at and decide. Now, for a lot of people, there's something just, you know, it's just so special to be in a Range Rover. It's just so I, I special agree. to arrive in a Range yeah. Rover, yeah. you know? And whether it's a Vela or an Evo, the sense of occasion is there. Mm-hmm. And I think that is something that British motoring has been able to do for so many years with all their vehicles that are still in production. I'm talking about Bentley. I'm talking about Rolls-Royce. I'm talking about Aston Martin. You know, that whole sense of vacation when you see one of these classic British brands driving up, you know, maybe because we're all Commonwealth. You know? Range Rover, just the, the, and I don't want to use the word evoke, but, you know, it, it does. Range Rover evokes that sense of yes. something, you know, right? I mean, even, even if tomorrow you go and buy a 30-year-old uh, Range Rover, you know? Which, which I, I would. Yes, a classic Range Rover. Yeah. And you know, you arrived at a at a party, you know, the valet is in front, you arrive at a party and you know, everybody's coming in their luxury German cars and you, you arrive in this 30-year-old Range Rover. Mm. There's a lot of occasion. People turn mm. and look and go, whoa, you know? Yeah. Okay, so that's maybe the classic status. But let's say now you come in a 10-year-old Range Rover. Mm. You still get that same impression. Mm. And you come in a 7-year-old Vela, you'll still get the same impression. Mm. You know, there's just something about the brand, the image, the sheer image, you know? Yeah. That says, it, you know, you have it made carries it. like gravitas. Yes. Mm. So, you know, I think for a lot of people, the whole idea of, you know, spending a little bit more in getting one of these cars is to arrive in style, arrive mm. with a sense of occasion, arrive to make a statement. If I'm if I'm doing business where I'm, you know, regularly meeting people at at uh, at, at you know five star hotels or the golf course or you know going for meetings at Kopitiams where you can park right in front, I want to show that I'm doing well. Mm. Come in a Range Rover. Mm. You know, so that's the Range Rover Villa. There we go. Thank you very much, Daniel. That was uh, very nice. Do tune in next week, same time, same place. And if you missed any part of the show, don't forget you can download it wherever you normally get it from. This has been Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM 89.9, the business station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.